Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football Universe. And this is the first episode under the Donald Trump president electancy. I think I might have made a word up, but that's okay because uh, it's our podcast, damn it, we're going to do what we want. I am Nick from CWE, and he is BC Steel, and today we are going to talk about our favorite waiver wire pickups of the week. Absolutely, and I don't know if you heard that. My phone is ringing off the hook. Uh, as soon as you said uh, Donald Trump, I believe I may be appointed to a cabinet position. So Awesome. Uh, could be very exciting. What cabinet position? Um, I think the kitchen cabinet, because that's where the food is, and I'm sure the listeners have all tuned out after my horrible joke, so there's nowhere to go but up. I would tend to agree. So, BC, you're the resident expert in terms of waiver wire picks. Where are you going this week? Well, uh, and uh, part of the reason I am a uh, resident expert is because I work from home. So I can literally pick up guys at will, almost at will, if I have meetings and such. But uh, that is what I am known for in my one league, where I will pick up people at, like, uh, you know, 1.30 p.m. or or 9.45 a.m. or whatever the case may be. So uh, just to give people an idea, it's not that I'm good – I'm just lucky. So, uh, first uh, quarterback, and I was surprised to see him available in a lot of leagues, is Jameis Winston. Now, I know uh, Jameis Winston, if you are an owner of him, you are a little uh, frustrated at you'll get four touchdowns one week and then four interceptions the next week, three touchdowns one week and then two the next, and that was actually his first four weeks. But a few reasons that I would grab him and stash him uh, is pretty much his schedule down the stretch. And if you're streaming a quarterback, then from weeks 13 to 17, depending on how your championships go, here's what you're looking at. Uh, week 13 at San Diego. Week 14 at the Saints, worst passing defense in the league. Week 15 at the Cowboys. Morris Claiborne's hurt. They weren't a very good passing defense before that. Week 16 at the Saints again. So Christmas for you. And then week 17 at the Panthers. So that's an unbelievable uh, stretch of games for Jameis Winston, who has proved he can put up good numbers. Cameron Brait seems to be coming into his own as a tight end. Oh, and they do have a guy by the name of Mike Evans that you may have heard of. Uh, Another guy, and I was kind of shocked that I'm putting him on here. I know in my deep keepers he's owned. I know in our dynasty I'm pretty sure he's owned, 99% sure. Uh, And this is strictly football, not going into anything else. It's Colin Kaepernick. In four games this year, he's got five passing TDs and a rushing touchdown. He is over uh, 50% of his passes, which was one of the knocks on him. And this year, even when he had a only completing 13 of 29 passes, he still had a touchdown uh, the week after. That was week six. The week after, 16 of 34, still threw a touchdown. Uh, San Francisco's... Not good. San Francisco is what one might call bad, and they're going to be passing an awful lot. So um, any any disagreements or thoughts on the Winston Kaepernick experience? No, I mean, I'm someone who drafted Winston. If you go back into some of the articles I wrote before the season started, I, I had I, – I, I basically tried too hard to create um, – you know, like a couple of guys came up with this concept of – no RB draft, and then they became no, no wide receiver draft. So I was like, oh, I could be the guy this year that comes up with the no, the Tom Brady draft strategy. And uh, it didn't really, like, materialize, but I used it. 
And basically what that means is I took Brady in, you know, the fifth or sixth round, and I took guys like... And I know that what I'm going to say, and people are going to be like, you asshole, but I took, like, Winston, Carr, and Matt Ryan late in drafts to pair them with Tom Brady so that I could get four good weeks, hopefully four good weeks of production, and then have Tom Brady to fall back on. And, I mean, I think where we sit right now, like, I... I've still had weeks where I was like, should I play Brady or Matt Ryan? Should I be play Brady or Derek Carr? So I'm, I'm right with you. Like, Jameis Winston, 100%. I think a lot of people poo-poo the Colin Kaepernick route because they're not smart. And that's fine. I mean, look, not everybody's a good fantasy football player. At one point, I was not a good fantasy football player. At one point, you were not a good fantasy football player. And it took time to realize that, oh, a guy like Colin Kaepernick, when he can get you 50 yards on the ground and it's a free five points, really does do a lot to help you gain points. One guy that you didn't mention that I will kind of throw out there is a guy that I think is available in a lot of leagues. And in terms of season-long fantasy and really cash games when you're talking about your daily fantasy play, not like the sexiest option, but Tyrod Taylor has been amazingly consistent this year. And that was... Go ahead. That was going to be another guy I thought about putting on there, uh, mainly because if we're talking season long, there's a chance Sammy Watkins uh, is on his way back. So he gets yet another weapon. And what has Tyrod Taylor had to work with when you think about it? Yeah, he's he's had a cast off in Robert Woods. But just looking at his numbers, basically the only week he was not a viable play was the first week against Baltimore where he had five points and what was a disaster of a game for um, for for the Buffalo Bills. But ever since then, it's been 25, 17, 16, 15, 19, 24, 18, 26. Not the worst you could really do. I mean, he's been serviceable. His price in daily fantasy continues to be cheap. I think, you know... A lot of a lot of your success in, in especially daily fantasy, which this isn't really about, but you know we're a fantasy football podcast at this point. It's it's basically you have to have the understanding that it's going to be two different worlds. We talk about the season long and the daily fantasy. For daily fantasy, he's cheap. He's consistently putting up seventeen to twenty points. There's no reason to not play him at his price because it's the difference between rostering Antonio Brown and having to put somebody like Jordan Matthews in your lineup where the targets may or may not be there, the consistency is definitely not there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obviously advocate for a guy like Tyrod Taylor who's going to be cheap and available in most of your season-long leagues. I would definitely agree with that. And looking at his options, it's kind of weird because Tyrod is on the ground uh, as well, uh, rushing-wise, not you know hitting the ground. Uh, and he has four rushing touchdowns this year. And I think that's... Uh, a little bit out. You throw out that first game of the year because that was bad. He's had two games where he didn't throw a passing touchdown, and in those games he had rushing touchdowns and uh, decent yards to make up for it. So uh, a definite good call there. Uh, you'd have to think with Watkins coming back, that's only going to make him more valuable. And to add to this, and I, I'll actually say this is a slight on my part for not putting him on there, weeks 13 through 15, Raiders, Steelers, and Browns. Uh, those are... Some weak passing defenses, and they could be very, very high-scoring games. So uh, definitely a good pick there. I do have three for running back. The first one is common sense, but he is actually not 100% owned. He's actually less than 70% owned, uh, I think, overall. And that's C.J. Proceis. I don't know how. 
Uh, I know Christine Michael is uh, is there, and I know that Thomas Rawls is coming back. Thomas Rawls isn't guaranteed to contribute. Uh, Christine Michael wasn't even mentioned in Coach Pete Carroll's presser. It uh, wasn't even uh, kind of an afterthought. I think Christine Michael could become Matt Jones where he scratch, as uh, as I believe uh, Nick may be uh, um, dying over there. You're right. <laughs> I sneeze. Oh, okay. It, I thought perhaps in your uh, estate there was a, a mini earthquake. Wasn't quite sure. Um, but no, yes, but I, interestingly enough, I did watch a Saturday night's main event last night where the earthquake and Dino Bravo fought Tugboat and Hulk Hogan. And there's a reference, and for any of our wrestling fans, Tugboat was almost a main eventer uh, going against Hogan for a WrestleMania. So let that stew in your brain. Yes, um, I, let's talk about this because it's far more important than fantasy football. I, that I, almost I, happened! And, and it's interesting because I sit there and I often think to myself, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought I'd push the mute button. But I sometimes think about in that, like, 1991 to 1992 transition where I definitely think there was a ch- I don't know if ch- changing in the guards just sounds like such a lame term, but there definitely was a difficulty from getting, you know, you went from Hulk Hogan to Bret Hart. That's a huge jump um, in terms of style and in terms of drawing power. And I know that they had toyed around with the idea of Tugboat being you know, turning heel against Hulk Hogan and then having a main event run, and thank goodness it didn't happen because I have no faith. What I mean, the earthquake run didn't really work out. You know, wasn't yeah. a, it wasn't as big as you thought it could be. Yeah, definitely but, better in ring. Uh, so it's kind of like for for anybody that may not be aware of the uh, the running back thing, it's like having Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley, and Trent Richardson as your running backs having the Dallas Cowboys offensive line and you start Trent Richardson for no good reason whatsoever. So that's the extent of uh, of what we're talking about from a wrestling. Well, well I think at, the, at that point, you know, Honky, I believe, was – I don't think he was gone, but I think they were kind of looking at him at a point where, you know, hey, he's not a guy that we want to put in that main event position, and, and I entirely disagree with that. I think Honky could have drawn. Maybe I'm just a little bit soft on Honky, but I, I think they thought that maybe Mr. Perfect wasn't all the way there, and, and and there's good reason. Like, people don't understand, I think, sometimes that, you know, they ran test numbers. That's why it was not Hogan and Flair at WrestleMania eight because the numbers were horrible. <laughs> I think we've gone completely off the rails. We have, but I want to talk about it for three more minutes. You know, give us a chance. <laughs> I, I think that people don't realize that is that that it isn't as easy as they thought. We can go back to running backs. Now. I'll cut it short. I just really i I can't watch wrestling a lot. I don't understand why they they. It seems like they jumped the shark to do Goldberg and Lesnar. I mean, BC, you're still a little bit in the wrestling business. Like, is there something that they're planning for at WrestleMania? Uh, I would. Uh, think that it's going to be Shane McMahon and Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, former Minnesota Viking, by the way. Um, Look, I don't want to be an asshole, but they've realized that Shane McMahon versus Brock Lesnar as opposed to Bill Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. I think they might have inverted things. Well, like, my understanding maybe they is... Should've, maybe they should have done Shane versus Lesnar and Goldberg kind of came back and made everybody go, Oh my God, it's Bill Goldberg. Look at him. He's so old, but he's still so strong. Like <laughs> I feel like that would have been a better response than to Man. go to 
hey, guess what? Shane McMahon, who's never been a full-time wrestler, is now going to fight a guy that ended The Undertaker's undefeated streak. Just well, my opinion. You know, I really hope that's not what the fans sound like, because that was very odd. But no, I, I was trying to mimic Hillary Clinton supporters. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Because well, I thought that's where you were going, but I wasn't positive. But I, I can't see a... a Unless it's one of those things where Goldberg, they're trying to capitalize on the momentum of the video game, it would be odd to go in and say, "Hey, remember five months ago when this whole video game thing came out?" I know that that's weak because if you have good booking, then that's not an issue. But um, speaking of guys that have have come back, drop it on them on the uh, on the the rest or excuse me, on the wrestling on the football. <laughs> I distracted you. See, see there now you got me doing it too. On the football standpoint of it, Jeremy Langford from Chicago, um, we've knocked him last year a lot, uh, well, quite a bit, um, but Jordan Howard's hurt, and at this point, I don't think there's word on how long he'll be out. Uh, this is a bad offense. You can probably do better on the waiver wire, but Jeremy Langford could be the starter uh, by default. I don't know what we're going to see from Kadeem Carey. He's another one that, if he's available, may not be a bad pickup. Uh, if healthy, obviously. Um, the Chicago offense, in a nutshell, is a dumpster fire. So you can probably do better. A guy that I might want more than Langford, I'm not sure, is Damian Williams in Miami. If Ajayi goes down, I think Damian Williams has RB2 value right off the bat. And he scored at least seven points, standard scoring-wise, uh, mind you, in three of his last four games. So shown that uh, they do trust him in scoring situations. Uh, I'm actually going to transition right into wide receiver, and then I'll let you let, comment. Let me, Only let me just, I, I just want to, if you don't mind, can I cut in with one thought? Oh, go right ahead. What about James Starks? I mean, where's his ownership at? Uh, James is Starks. A, is it a foregone conclusion that he's basically, like, a, owned everywhere and he's not a – because to me, especially going against a Washington team – that you know did not look very good against Ryan Matthews, who, with all due respect, I don't view as a good running back at this point. I know that coming into the year, we put a, a I heaped a significant amount of praise on him, but I do not view him as being a very good running back. And he looked like he was Barry Sanders running against this Washington defense. So there has to be. I, and I know we're just focusing on a very limited sample set here, where hey, it's one game that he's going to be playing. But you know, with Lacey out. Ty Montgomery has not been as effective as a lot of people want to make him out to be, and I'll attribute that just to the fact that look at how many touchdowns he scored in the time that these running backs have been out. None. Zero. Zip. So if he was so effective, he'd have some type of real – because yardage is great, catches are great, that's all fun and dandy and fine for daily fantasy and even really for like fantasy in general, but from a football perspective, he didn't – he has zero total touchdowns. On the year. And that could continue. <laughs> it, it, it is likely to continue. I mean, he only got three carries. He only he was only targeted two times. This is now two weeks in a row where he's seen under four targets. He had three and two. His carries have gone from nine to seven to three. Uh, I, and I'm not saying Starks put up this huge workload, but he was also coming back from an injury, and they still gave him seven attempts. 33 yards, almost five yards a carry, which in the NFL is very good. That's not a small amount. Almost five yards of carry is like a Pro Bowl season. And, and I get, I, granted, I know we're not talking about season, but we're talking about a very bad defense here. At the very least, I don't view him as a bad streamer this week. 
He's definitely not a bad streamer. Uh, Starks actually took the spot of CJ Procise, and then when I started doing uh, a little bit of looking at league ownership and saw that Procise in some places isn't uh, doesn't have that high ownership that he should, I knocked Starks out and put him in. I probably honestly could have knocked Langford or Damien Williams out, but uh, Starks definitely an option as well. So if you have the ability, you could grab a Starks, uh, you could grab a Tyrod Taylor, and you could be sitting pretty for the... Uh, near future until Lacey comes back, but Lacey really didn't show much even when he was playing. So. No, he didn't. Why don't you uh, hit him with the uh, wide receivers that you were going to before I rudely interrupted? <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, you are the tugboat to my earthquake. Um, hey, 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 no, 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 no. Hey. Well, you know what? It, it, At the very like, least, I'm the typhoon, all right? Okay, well, okay. I'll, I'll let you have that. You can be typhoon, and we are the... We're the podcast tag team champions of the world. <laughs> Who are we tag teaming? What's that? Who are we tag teaming? Uh, we're the, uh, well, I'll tell you who we're not going to tag team, and that is Richard Matthews. Because All right, he I'll is take a, that. I, I was trying to think of a segue. I didn't actually have one. That, that'll have to do. Um, I apologize to Richard Matthews fans, uh, friend, family members, and Richard Matthews himself for the insinuation that we're not going to double team him. Um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. Can't save it. So, Rashard Matthews has six touchdowns over the last six weeks. And Marcus Mariota is just on fire. Uh, playing, I think, better than anybody would have expected. And they're playing Indianapolis this week. So, if you're looking for a streaming option, uh, he's a pretty good option. I actually like him in Daily Fantasy as well. Uh, Macklin is out, still in Kansas City. Don't know what's going on there. Quite frankly, Jeremy Macklin didn't play well when he was in. So Tyreek Hill, I like as an option in uh, Kansas City if you have the room on your bench. And because they're playing Cleveland, I like Eli Rogers uh, streaming. I don't know how I feel about him season long. Uh, Pittsburgh does have some decent matchups coming up. So Sammy Coates has two broken fingers, so he's out. Uh, Ladarius Green is back, so you do have to take that into consideration. But that's a high-powered offense, and the defense has proven they can stop absolutely no one. Uh, Cleveland, who they're playing this week, can stop absolutely no one. And that will segue into tight ends. I only have two on here. Uh, one is Ladarius Green because he is back. Um, again, taking on Cleveland. Everything I talked about with Eli Rogers uh, and Ladarius Green, will I think we'll see from here on through the end of the year if the talent is actually there that everybody said he had in uh, San Diego. And Eric Ebron is back from injury. I don't think that's a worry anymore. He had two strong performances in Week 8 and Week 9 before the bye. And with uh, Matt Stafford and Jim Bob Cooter, all Detroit Lions receivers make me happy, even theoretic, because he catches and runs out of the backfield. So... That is That covers the wide receivers and tight ends. What say you, good sir? Well, here's what I say. We put about a good 20 minutes into this. I agree with everything you said. It's important to make sure to take the bye players out and put the straight players in. So other than that, um, I don't know that I really have anything. I, I, I think that a lot of people are going to make a, a, what I would classify as being a huge mistake in drastically overvaluing Cameron Meredith this week. Jay Cutler is awful. I mean, he's awful. To say the least. So, I mean, he's basically, and this is coming from someone who was like, you know what I want to do? I want to play Cameron Meredith in DFS this week because he's due and he's playing a bad defense. 
I got one catch, and that catch was an absolutely lucky, would never happen if it happened 99 more times, Hail Mary to the end zone touchdown. So, not a happy Cameron Meredith owner at this point in time. BC, well, I think you did a good job. You identified what we could qualify as the best plays. I'm a big Tyreek Hill guy. I think going against Tampa Bay this week, he's going to be far less owned. And I hope that Jeremy Macklin is out because I hate him and he's horrible. And he should just retire, potentially take up a career as a professional hobo. I really don't care what he does as long as he's not playing football. Wow. You know what? I think you need to uh, to find your happy place like a happy Gilmore because you are not happy. Is Macklin going to be the wide receiver version of uh, Christian Hackenberg, a quarterback for you? I mean, he might be. This guy, I've said it before, he is the most worthless fantasy asset there is. He has not topped 15 fantasy points this year. I mean, in standard leagues, I would just set him on fire and throw him in the trash. It's just not worth it. You can pick up Tyreek Hill, who's a far more explosive player. And I don't I don't even know what to put this on. We could talk about this a little bit as we cover, you know, the daily fantasy implications of all of this coming up in our next episode. But is it Alex Smith? Is it the line? What what's going on? Um, until then, BC, you can find me on Twitter at research at uh, research and win on Facebook at research. Fantasy. Find us online at researchfantasy.com. Check us out. We actually added a new feature. We're now covering the English Premier League, so that's going to be fun. We've got an analyst who's going to cover all of that action on a weekly basis. BC, where can they find you? On the Facebook, on the Twitter, one, that's the number one, SF Podcast. That stands for One Step Forward Podcast. I have new T-shirts out. Uh, They've been out for, well, they're not ordered yet, but they're pre-ordered for one day, and I've already got ten. Let's make it up to 20 and yes you can in some way have me on your chest and you know how we end this nick do it we reprise the theme song and roll the credits